Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. This is our second episode of the We Talk Clones revival. We'll be reviewing... Woo-hoo! I know, right? I know, uh, this is great. Season 7, Episode 2 of The Clone Wars, titled A Distant Echo. Pun not intended. Actually, it probably is intended. Uh, but first, before we get too far, William, we've got a little bit of an announcement to talk through. Do you want to kind of take us through the news of the last week or so? Yeah. So in addition to uh, uh, you know the Clone Wars being back, we actually got some pretty big news about the new Star Wars publishing era known as the High Republic. This was previously codenamed Project Luminous. We talked about it on the podcast before. Now we have the full details. It's actually... A, a big series of interconnected stories in a brand new era 200 years before the Phantom Menace. This is in the, you know, the, the, the height of the Republic, hence the High Republic uh, title. Um, and uh, it's kind of focused on this, this big, this big um, event happens, this big cataclysm um, called the Great Disaster kind of kicks off this era. And then... We kind of get to, you know, see what happens next. We get to see the Jedi in their prime. It's kind of the golden age of the Jedi. We get to meet these uh, new villains called the Nil. They're almost described like Vikings, which is an interesting um, raiders, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Kind of how I think about it. Almost like the Cloud Raiders uh, in Solo, maybe. Um, I don't know, but the the core, one of the core central tenets is what scares the Jedi, um, and so it's supposed to be honestly it reminds me a lot of the old republic um steven your, your thoughts i'm curious it's old republic has never i should say old old republic has certainly been my era um i never really enjoyed a lot of the prequel era novels though um you know i read them they, they were fine just my passion was always post episode six um so i'm kind of cautiously curious like this is even in the old expanded universe, we never really got stories set during this time period. It was always kind of, like I said, the golden age of peace. So I'm curious to see how, uh, what, what sort of backstory they'll fill in in this kind of time frame. Yeah, because like, you know, Knights of the Republic, uh, as you said, it, has, it sounds like a similar feel uh, to, to, to that. But Knights of the Republic, it takes place... You know that that old Republic era is more like you know a thousand years before. Um, uh, sorry, not not uh, yeah yeah about uh, three thousand nine hundred fifty six BBY is when uh, Knights of the Old Republic takes place. So that's you know four thousand years before the movies. And yeah, and this takes when place two hundred years. Yeah, what I'm particularly curious about is like Knights of the Old Republic and kind of all of the novels and games of that era rely pretty heavily on kind of telling the classic stories of Empire versus not Empire, excuse me, uh, Jedi versus Sith. And I, it sounds like that's pretty explicitly not going to be part of this. It's, I mean, you, I don't know how you have it as part of this when you're, you know, this is prime, actually Plagueis time. So maybe 
Yeah. I take that back. Maybe Plagueis does play a role in this. It's possible. It's kind of about the right timeline. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely yeah. sounds like a, more like a, the, the, um, it's kind of after the, the Jedi and the Sith have, uh, you know, after like the rule of two and Darth Bane. So, um, yeah, this is, it's less about the Sith, as you said, and more about just the Jedi and their adventures almost. Yeah. It's, and this is, I mean, arguably a time before the Jedi have been, I don't want to say corrupted, but like maybe they're not quite as deeply entrenched inside of the Republic, um, which could make for an interesting set of stories to tell. I don't know, it's interesting. And they've got quite the like lineup planned. I mean, you weren't kidding when you said this was kind of a multimedia uh, conglomeration. Yeah, I mean, there's they've got uh, uh, Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, Kevin Scott, and Charles Sewell all on board. And many of those are they're all you know very very good writers. Um, Charles Sewell will be writing his first adult novel ever, and it's called Light of the Jedi. Uh, and it kind of details the great disaster that kicks off the era. As the, the publisher's summary describes, 200 years before the events of The Phantom Menace, in the era of the glorious High Republic, the noble and wise Jedi Knights must face a frightening threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the Force itself. And it uh, features Jedi of our Chris. And then uh, we're also going to get uh, a book from Claudia Gray, and she has written so many fantastic uh, young adult novels. And uh, in this book, Padawan uh, Wraith Silas has been sent from the cosmopolitan galactic capital of Coruscant to the undeveloped frontier, and he couldn't be less happy about it. He'd rather stay at the Jedi Temple, studying the archives. But when the ship he's traveling on is knocked out of hyperspace and in a galactic-wide disaster, Wraith finds himself at the center of the action. The Jedi and their traveling companions find refuge on what appears to be an abandoned space station. But then strange things start happening, leading the Jedi to investigate the truth behind the mysterious station. A truth that could end in tragedy. Uh, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we have A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. This is a middle grade novel. And uh, when a transport is abruptly, transport ship is, a, is abruptly kicked out of hyperspace as part of a galaxy-wide disaster, newly minted teen Jedi Vernestra Roath, a young Padawan... Uh, sorry, Wreath and Roath. Uh, Roath sound kind of similar. Uh, but uh, this Vernestra... Uh, of, sorry, Vernestra Roo. I'm reading this live for the first time. <laughs> a young Padawan, an audacious tech kid, and the son of an ambassador are stranded on Jungle Moon where they must work together to survive both the dangerous terrain and a hidden danger lurking in the shadows. And then, of course, we have a, uh, a Marvel comic series by Kavan Scott, just titled The High Republic, no summary yet, and uh, a uh, IDW pom- publishing comic book series by Daniel Jose Older titled The High Republic Adventures. So, a lot of stuff they're going to tie into each other, which I think is the most interesting thing starting in August, uh, August of 2020 will be the first book. So celebration is when we'll get our first look at uh, light of the Jedi. Um, you know, I, I think though, Stephen, one of the, one of the biggest challenges that the books have faced, and there's been a lot of really good books, uh, you know, since the, the Canon reset in the, in the Disney era, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of good books, but one of the biggest challenges I felt is that, they are fairly self-contained. It seems like they, they are, they're not able to tell the big exciting stories like, you know, the, the new Jedi order, for example. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's very self-contained. This kind of feels like a return to the new Jedi order almost. Uh, I mean, I don't not, know if not I that time period, quite but that, that style. far just cause new Jedi order was arguably, I think one of the more um, 
I don't even know what to call it, like expansive uh, attempts that we saw in kind of the old Legends universe. And I don't necessarily mean that like I do adore the new Jedi Order, but it's I'd hardly call it a like a success because of all of that. 19 books. But in any, yeah. Yeah. 19. I, I did a, a talk about this the other day. 19 books with I think it was 12 authors, something like that. Um, obviously very challenging to coordinate that sort of thing. But the important part is it is similar in the same way of like, they've just, they've carved out a piece of, you know, the timeline that just has no stories. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they tie it into the rest of this kind of star Wars saga. Um, I'm curious, you know, given the timing of when this would have kind of probably started production when we first started hearing about it, like maybe this will tie into Exegol in some way. Like I could Mm -hmm. see it kind of, trying to build on some of the pieces we got in rise of Skywalker. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think the fact that they're not hampered by the movies can only be a positive here. There's nothing for them to really worry about other than making sure they fit into episode one, 200 years later. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of upside here where they can, they can, you know, bring in characters like Yoda or potentially Plagueis. Right. Uh, Cause it's only 200 yeah. years before the Phantom Menace. Uh, I forget exactly how long Plagueis was alive, but I think I think he was two hundred years ish old. Um, well, I don't think we have we know anymore. Uh, great question, but but they could do stuff like that, right? Uh, True. It's it's close enough to the era they can start to tie some things in with that are familiar, rather than being four thousand years before, while also, um, you know, trying some some new things as well and having the freedom to tell the stories they want to tell. So, I think it's uh it's pretty exciting. Um, I, I, I hope that this is, I think this is the, the shot in the arm that the, uh, the, the books needed. I'm very curious to see if they continue doing, uh, other stories in addition to the higher public. If it's like, you know, we're going to tell some stories in between the films as well as release higher public books, or if they're going to go almost exclusively higher public, it sounds like they're probably going to try to do a mix still, but either way I'm excited. And also I guess they're, they're doing rather than tying in all the stories together, they are individual stories. It sounds like within the, the 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 storytelling of that time period, um, and so that allows them to, uh, to to kind of you know you don't have to read all you know, you don't have to read all of them in order to get the story. You can they're 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 self-contained enough that it's easy to pick up and, and jump into, but not yeah. so, uh, but but still interconnected. So I think all that's all that sounds really good. And, you know, the fact that the authors are all working very closely together, they talked about how they have a group chat uh, and they're constantly talking back and forth. That all seems really promising. So I'm excited. Yeah, and of course, uh, we'll be reviewing as those come out later this year, which I'm, I always look forward to reviewing stuff with you guys. So oh yeah, what it's, can I say? It's a busy year for Star Wars, Star Wars books. Yeah, I'll um, say. Like, it's, there's a lot. <laughs> it's it's a great time to be a, a Star Wars fan, but there is a heck of a lot this year. I mean, looking at it, we've got uh, in just uh, two weeks the Rise of Skywalker expanded edition uh, by Ray Carson. We have Queen's Queen's Peril coming up in June. Shadowfall in uh, at the end of June um, by Alexander Freed. It's the second book in the Alphabet Squadron uh, trilogy. Um, there's a uh, uh, Poe Dameron Freefall, uh, the young adult novel in August, the Clone Wars anthology in August, the High Republic Light of the Jedi uh, at the end of August, uh, A Test of Courage, uh, the High Republic in September, uh, Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn in October, another High Republic book in, at the, in mid-October, just one week later. So 
you know, and that's not even including the comics. Like there's a lot. Of there's plenty stuff. is the, yeah. the summary. Basically I, starting in June, get ready. It was like a good two bucks a month. Tom. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have a lot of reading to do. Oh yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. And, a lot know, of reading. They, they kind of talked about how this is the new, the new era, you know, cause like, it was interesting. They're talking about how like publishing is now going to kind of come to the forefront since the movies are, are taking some time off. And that is certainly true to an extent, but there's also a lot going on with the clone wars with, you know, the Mandalorian, the Cassian Andor series, the Obi-Wan series. So I think TV and the, and the novels uh, or TVs and, and publishing are, are where it's going to be at for at least the next couple of years. So it's exciting. I think that's probably the best thing to do right now. I think it, they need to kind of regroup for the movies right now and figure out how they're going to tell their stories going forward. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah. So Tom kind of yes, bring sir. us back on point a little bit. Oh, uh, you, you mean we're actually recording a review of an episode that's on Disney plus? No, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. Oh, well, then I guess we're not going to be reviewing no. season seven, episode two, a distant echo directed by Stuart Lee written by Matt McNavich, Dave Filoni and Brent Friedman. Now in this episode, Anakin Skywalker Rex and the bad batch make a shocking discovery on Gecko minor. Now, you, you know what I'm really loving about this? I, I loved watching the animatic when we saw it originally but to see all this stuff fully animated is just beautiful, especially that tracking shot where you just see the gunship come in on Fort Anaxis. That is really cool to see. Other than just the previews, you actually get to see it in the show and go right into the story. Love every minute of it. They do. It's hard to describe because like I've seen this episode before. Yeah. I we, saw the last episode before too. Yeah. But there is something a little bit different watching it now. And like one of the things I even realized is we talked last time, like an ax the base on an axis is the base we see in Rebels as well. Yep. But seeing it fully animated, especially in this opening sequence, is my where I was like, uh, yes, like this that's the moment where I connect it with Rebels. Because like, oh, mm -hmm. I totally remember seeing this exact kind of shot in Rebels, but the base being, you know, decrepit or, you know, taken over by the whatever the creatures were and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's just they did such a good job. Yeah. The animation like we shouldn't spend another like however long we talked about it last time, but like I know they nailed the animation. Yeah, but the the best thing about this, the animation only gets better when you have Rex kind of helping Anakin and the little subtleties of like when when Anakin ducks into like the uh, crew quarters or the the trooper quarters Barracks, yeah. and the 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 looks are just like you know you know you got to help me with that that thing and Rex is like what. And the eye movements and the animation just like that is just, it, it's so great that they were able to put that and you get to see it compared to just the animatic where you just see a frozen face. Yeah. I mean, Anakin is not subtle. and Oh, God, uh, no. <laughs> but it was, I actually loved that whole scene between, <clears throat> between Anakin and, and, and Padme where, you know, Rex's, uh, Rex is standing guard outside the barracks while Anakin and Padme are having a conversation. Well, inside. and this sequence wasn't in the animatic, right? No, that's so that's no. that's a that's a you know a, a great uh, a great point because Dave Filoni actually talked about how this scene was written uh, the night they announced the return of the Clone Wars at San Diego Comic Con. So he went back oh, to his wow. hotel room wow. and he wrote this scene. 
it was not originally ever in the episode. And, um, but I think it's a really touching scene and a really, a really important moment because mm-hmm. I'll explain a little bit more about the, the, the comparisons in, 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 in just a moment. But, you know, this, this scene I loved. It's actually one of my favorite scenes in the episode because we get to see a bit more of the dynamic between Anakin and Padme uh, and, and their love for each other. We get to see a bit more of the dynamic between Anakin and Rex and how Rex is actually, he's in on it. Oh, he you know? has to be. He so has to be in on it. Yeah, and they're buddies, and we find yeah. out he actually he's kind of he's kind of covering for for yep. Anakin. Um, and and Obi Wan, we find out Obi Wan knows a lot more than we thought. <laughs> and that that's the thing that really got just made me crack up is I, I know we're going to be skipping around this because we can touch so much more on the the interaction between Anakin and Padme in that because. It just the subtleties of the two of them talking back and forth and him talking about, you know, things and she's talking about the war and everybody was like, okay, well, it's at a point to where, well, he's going to know she's pregnant. That was never even brought up. And it was done so subtly to where you saw her hand on her belly, but it wasn't to where it was just so pronounced that even in the hologram, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't sit there and say what's going on. I mean, that was subtle in and of itself. Anakin has many things. Uh, as we see later in the episode, his attention to detail is uh, occasionally lacking. Yeah. yeah. You now he's been known to lose a lightsaber here and there because he wasn't holding on to it tight enough. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and I but, mean, and, and this, this confirms he, he brings up the outer rim sieges and says that yep. they're there. He didn't expect them to last this long. And we know that the outer rim sieges took uh, up the last six months of the war. So, you know, if he says he doesn't think they lasted this long, we can probably guess it's been at least, I don't know, two, three months into the Outer Rim sieges. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if that's so, the case, she really wouldn't be really showing at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even if she was, like, there is, you know, even if it's closer to the timeline, because we don't know exactly where it is. If even if it's closer to Avengers of the Sith, who knows? Maybe there's, like, you know, she just manipulated the hologram, the hologram a little bit. You know, absolutely. A little, a little I mean, you, there. you don't, you don't know. Right. But it's it was a very, very subtle, very well written scene that really worked because I just loved how you have Rex outside. Basically, he sees Kenobi coming and the look on his face. And and if you watch any kind of World War II movie, when you've got a guy standing outside of a barracks and his buddy's inside and you see the Commandant coming, you see them do that little hand move where there's the knock on the door, just like you better hurry up or you're going to get caught. And just the look on Rex's face is like, oh, God, here comes Kenobi. I got to do something. And, and Obi-Wan even calls him out on it. He says, you'll have to do better than that, Captain. Like, Absolutely. Obi-Wan is so on point in this episode. He's just like, you got to do better than that, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and then and then the cover just like well i know anakin's in there what is he doing right uh, he's looking at my kit okay so why can't i and just perfect timing where anakin comes walking out and throws the helmet at rex okay i mean yeah, it was planned but it's like uh, i just love the whole scene and, and anakin's comment is very much a like he's very much channeling Obi-Wan at that point when he says, try not to break it again. Just like, yes, you know, Anakin always tells him, uh, Obi-Wan always tells Anakin, try not to lose it again. You know, yes. lightsaber. Um, so I, I really appreciated the parallels there. And then obviously the, the moment of when, when Obi-Wan says, I hope you at least told Padme, I said, hello. <laughs> and then Anakin that... just, just frowns at Obi-Wan and silently walks away. 
That oh. is the best, I think, out of all the lines Obi-Wan has said. I think that was one of my favorites because just how it came out was like, and then the the look they put, the animators put on Anakin and Rex's face like, mm-hmm. oh my God, we got caught. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. It's like one of the things that I think Clone Wars actually did really well throughout its run is adding little bits of context and things like that to episodes two and three. And this is a good example of like, it kind of gives a little more depth into what Obi-Wan knows and doesn't know. Right. And it pushes it. Like it's obvious. It's very clear. Obi-Wan's aware that Anakin and Padme have something going on, but Mm -hmm. it's also equally clear that he has no idea the depth of it. Right. And it's also, he's, he's in a way overlooking it. So he's almost turning like a blind eye to it. Mm -hmm. Well, if you, if you think about it, like he fell in love with Sabine, uh, Sabine, Satine. Um, However, um, you know, he didn't act on it, right? He, he, he told Satine before she died, I would, you know, had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi. But, you know, he, he didn't. And he knows that Anakin may be struggling with that as well. And, and he, you know, mm-hmm. Anakin is clearly in love with Padme. And they talk a lot and they have this friendship. But would they, would they ever take that next step? Would he actually marry her or, or, or lie to the Jedi? He doesn't, think, he doesn't think Anakin would go that far. And I think right. that's where... You know, that's where it all kind of comes together in Revenge of the Sith. And he puts the pieces together and realizes that Anakin is the father. Um, but up until then, he never thought that Anakin would quite go that far. And so I see, I saw some people saying, oh, is it, this breaks Revenge of the Sith. No, it doesn't. Not no, at it all. Doesn't. Like, this, this, this adds flavor and additional, yep. like, uh, you know, some some really great texture to their, their dynamic in Revenge of the Sith, which is just, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's also a great opportunity for Padme to give Anakin some advice because, you know, Anakin is worried about Rex. Um, But, you know, he, he, you know, he's worried that Rex is letting his personal feelings get in the way. And Padme correctly notes like, hey, Anakin, that's what you do all the time, like all the time. And Rex is literally constantly. Yeah, literally constantly. And Rex is always by your side. So maybe you should trust his instincts and, and, you know, back him up as well. It's a nice, it's a really nice reminder. So, and I think that whole yeah, so thing what is made it one of my favorite scenes. But Stephen, go ahead, Stephen. So obviously, one of the scenes that is removed from the episode compared to the animatic uh, in favor of this one is kind of the the sequence with the uh, the nose art on the Bad Batch's ship. Uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what you're talking about, I highly recommend going and watching this episode in the animatic to kind yep. of just see the differences. And I was, what did you guys? How did you guys feel about it? Uh, I I will be honest, I miss that artwork on there because I am a very big fan of World War II knows art. And to see some of that stuff in World War II, the amount of detail and the amount of personality and, and personalization these, these airplanes uh, got, I miss that because that was almost like a good personalization of that craft to the Bad Batch. I can understand why it was removed. And I have no problem with it. But since you saw it in the animatic, you're kind of hoping to see it fully rendered on the ship. And it would have added just that little bit more flavor or context to right when he got done talking to Padme and he sees something like that on a ship. But to a certain extent, I could see why they pulled it off. Because basically, if that were to happen, then maybe the dynamic between he and the Bad Batch could have been a little bit different. 
So I actually feel the opposite. I, I like the scene got a good laugh and like I remember watching it for the first time and enjoying it. But I think mm-hmm. this scene does such a better job of like the relationship between Anakin and the Bad Batch. I don't really I mean, it's it matters for the duration of, you know, these two episodes. But other that than is that, correct. It's not really relevant. And I'd okay. much rather see kind of the nuance we get between Anakin, Obi-Wan, uh, Rex and then Padme. OK, you're you're totally right, Stephen. I, I agree with you as well. I mean, I as a as a scene, I, I think uh, you know that moment in the original uh, uh, story reel made a lot of sense as a scene within the context of the original show, where we had you know 22 episodes uh, and you know a lot of other stories to tell with with Padme and the other characters. But one of the things that Dave Filoni noted at the screening uh, is that you know. It, when they originally wrote it, they had this. It was much much longer season. It was not the the final season. It was not, um, you know, the one of the only episodes. And in this case, it is. Uh, it is the. It is actually slight spoiler alert, but it is Padme's only scene in the entire final season. Wow. Um, and so. You know, he, he talked about how he we really wanted him to, to kind of he wanted to make sure he brought in Cat Tabor and, um, and and made her made Padme, who's one of these crucial big characters, a part of the final season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at that point, the the nose art just didn't make as much sense. I'll I'll play a little clip from the from the screening. Um, in these twelve episodes, if I was to execute them as they were completely planned, there was absolutely no Padme. Um, the only place Padme appeared in the 12 episodes as they were was she was uh, gunship nose art and they made a comment about it and when you put it in context of that like well it's a funny scene and I, and I think it's fun and it's an interesting perspective in larger context where she appears again in their other episodes I think it's fine I, I didn't like that she was just kind of uh, referred to and not present at the end of the, these 12 episodes of Clone Wars so I made a choice, and you know, I talked to the team, and I talked to Kat Tabor, and Kat had been with us since the beginning, and I thought, you know, it's a real shame if Kat doesn't uh, have any involvement in this. So I, I sat down and I wrote a scene. Actually, um, <laughs> this is uh, some info I've never shared before, but I wrote that scene with Henry Pabbe, uh the the night after we premiered the trailer at Comic-Con that we were coming back. <laughs> I wrote it kind of as a reaction of, like, the fans really need this scene. And so I wrote it in my hotel room at Comic-Con. Because <laughs> I talked to Kat and I said, you know, I'm going to put you in here. I'm going to figure out a way. What's important about... So, you know, as you can see, I, I think Dave Filoni's answer makes a lot of sense, right? If it's if it's Padme's only scene, let's put Padme in. And I think it, at that point, it just didn't it just didn't make as much sense to have the, the scene with the the nose art mm. uh, and, and it, it just flowed better. So, you know, overall, I think the, the first, the beginning, I don't know, 25, 30% of the episode is significantly different um, mm-hmm. than originally was planned. And I think that's actually why Dave Filoni has a writing credit on this episode. Um, but, Oh, I didn't connect that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, um, but the rest of it, uh, you know, from, from the, the time they hop on the, 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 the Bad Batch's transport is, is pretty much the same at that point. They moved one scene around, but other than that, it's it's pretty much the same. So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess while it's unfortunate, as Dave Filoni says, I think it ultimately, because it's the final, the final season, as you noted, Stephen, I liked having 
Anakin and Padme and Rex and Obi Wan story be the forefront rather than yeah you know the the just a, a comedic timing moment so and that all blended well at the beginning of the episode and how it worked right into them getting onto the gunship to go to Skeckle Minor to go see if that is Echo that is um, alive and well on the planet. Yeah. Actually, one one more interesting note. I almost forgot. There was one other minor thing they changed. So apparently, you know, at the, at the very beginning of the original episode, the, the Anakin and um, Hunter and Rex are walking and he talks about how uh, Anakin mentions that I guess the council, uh, the council rejected their mission to Anaxis because it's a neutral planet, and Anakin and Rex just decide to go anyway. And Rex uh, says he insisted to Obi Wan that the mission was necessary because they had Rex's algorithm without Echo. Uh, you know, and when, even without Echo, it's important. So eventually, Obi Wan gives in. Um, but they were they were going against the wishes of the council, and in. And they immediately take off and leave. And in this episode, Anakin, you know, there's the funny moment where, like, he's trying to wreck, you know, nudge Rex, like, yeah, we have to go do that thing. And then there's the the whole scene in the barracks. And then, um, and then they leave the barracks. And as they start walking, um, you know, they start, they start to walk away. And that, and then, you know, Obi-Wan is, he's standing by the door of the barracks and, and calls to, to Anakin and uh and it, he he basically says like before they can um it's not really clear if the council rejected the mission or not obi-wan mm-hmm. starts to say you know that the what about what the council like the council thinks and before he can finish the statement anakin just interrupts and says that it's a good idea let's get going yeah so that that's the impression yeah. i got too i think it was just basically Anakin's just going to do it regardless of what the council says. Yeah, but it, it's Even interesting if, in this episode, we don't actually know the council's decision at this point. Yeah, that's We very know true. that Anakin kind of just talks over Obi-Wan and doesn't care, but we never actually find out what they really thought. So, you know, it's kind of a different beginning to the mission, um, but the rest of it is pretty much the same, with the one exception of Wat Tambor. Um, you know, later on in the episode, there's that, there's that scene with Watt Tambor warning I'm sorry with Ad- Admiral Trench warning Watt Tambor about a clone infiltration team coming mm-hmm. um, and it was originally right at the beginning before they land on Skeko Minor and they moved the scene back later um, to, to pro- I think because it just it flowed better yeah it seemed like if that were the case it seemed to flow better because why throw that at the total beginning then right. show the planning thing and then go back to it the flow is so much better to where you see it, and then it's like, okay, here, and then you just jump right into the story. Right, and, and now that Watt, Watt Tambor is actually inter- introduced via dialogue right. uh, by Anakin uh, and and the others rather than just showing him randomly. And it is really cool to see Watt Tambor, by the way. He, I have always loved Watt Tambor for some reason. Yeah, I'm trying. Did we ever see him much in the original Clone Wars episodes? Oh, God, I, I can't know. remember. I was just thinking that as well i thought we had but maybe maybe i was actually just thinking about the maybe i was just thinking about the unfinished episodes uh no no he was he actually he was in he was in sorry uh correction he was in heroes on both sides he was in innocence of ryloth the john okay. knew too much so he was in uh a, a few a few episodes for sure okay it's been a long time yeah it has but i've always liked Watt tambor specifically the 
the Techno Union Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catch disposal count. I don't know. I always liked that scene. <laughs> it was just, it's one of those characters that just, it exists to have a cool sound effect almost. Yeah. And that's okay. Well, it also exists because he'll sit there at the same time as he's talking. He'll adjust dials on his uh, environmental suit, which that did happen in one of the episodes where it's just like you heard the voice fluctuate when he tweaked the dials. Like, well, let me tweak my voice a little bit this way. Okay, that works. And also that, that that scene they did move actually also drives home that the Bad Batch's tactics could be unconventional and actually politically damaging because Watt Tambor says, you know, there's, there's no way they'd attack us. You know, yeah. we're a neutral planet. And and sure enough, they did. Um, and it, it kind of, again, shows how the, the Bad Batch doesn't really care about the rules of the game in many ways. What I found interesting was when they're in the ship and you had Anakin ask Hunter, who do they report to? Who gives them the mission? And that... I wish there was more time. I would love to hear because even Hunter is just like, it was almost like a brush off. It was just like, we go where we go. It's like, they all of a sudden just get called up. We have a mission, go do it. So who really are they working for? They're very reminiscent of the Knowles from the Republic commando series. That is, that is very true. They're the, they're the specialists that get called in when you're desperate. And, uh, in some ways you hope you don't need them, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's, that's a perfect example. And I did love the little moment with Wrecker working out in the background, like lifting a gonk droid with one hand and with eating with the other and eating like a, like a turkey leg almost type of thing yeah. with the other. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty funny. It's also funny that here's this big clone trooper afraid of, he's not afraid of heights. He's afraid of the falling. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, he and gravity just have a little bit of a problem together. That I thought was very funny. The gravity part was very funny. I know I jumped ahead, but I thought that, that to, to see that and hear that was actually pretty fun. Well, it's, it's something that, you know, the Clone Wars always did really well is just teaching you about characters that they inter- you get introduced in episode one of an arc and you get kind of deeper and deeper as it goes. And it just yeah. rebels. Not, excuse me. Clone Wars has always been just excellent at that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and as they're traveling to the planet, I like the whole dynamic where they're inside the ship discussing about okay, what's the, what's the natives on the on an axis? Uh, sorry, Skeko Minor like, and here you've got them saying one thing, but then you've got I think it was Rex saying one thing, but then um, oh God, forgot his name, the the tech guy, tech, tech. Hey, that was his name. Tech. <laughs> how would Tom? How could you forget? I my coffee wore off, man. Right before the show, I tried to down a, a little bit so I could be up for this. But uh, yeah, I know. But tech is just like, well, they're actually this and this. So I, it 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 was a fun. It's a fun dynamic to see a regular clone in with these, you know, other clones. Yeah, yeah, and and we 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 actually get to see Skako Miner for the first time. Uh, it was it was briefly featured in one of the uh, sorry it was appeared in one of the Doctor Afra comics. But this is the first time we've actually seen the home of the Skakoan people and the Techno Union Army, um, and it's a it's very much like a uh, it seems like a very dangerous planet with you know the, these giant atmospheric disturbances and a gaseous atmosphere with you know winds and electrical storms and you know yellow hued fog. It's it's pretty. Uh, Mm-hmm. Pretty terrifying, and, and they, they, you know, they have trouble landing, and they're quickly attacked by the natives, the Poltecs, on some flying creatures called Kirdaks. 
So I, they, I thought like, that was pretty cool. The design for the Politics were pretty cool, but I loved the language. Oh, yes. The, yeah. That was really cool. The just, Go ahead, Stephen. I was just, uh, no, like the way the, I don't know what to, the voice that they use is just, it works really well. I had like, I it's enjoyable. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's just everything about the planet. I felt like they did a really, really good job in terms of just again, giving you that kind of classic Star Wars feel of mm-hmm. this is an alien culture that you don't really understand. And, you know, you're not 100% sure what's going to happen. What I thought was really cool, and this might be jumping ahead a bit, but when Anakin base gets taken to the village for, for the primitive people, when Tech is sitting there doing the translation, did you guys check out their leader kind of coming up to his visor and kind of looking at the visor as he's doing <laughs> the translation? It was like a first person thing. Like he's like very curious about what's going on within this visor or what am I? I thought that was very nicely done. Whoever came up with that idea, I loved it. Yeah, it's one of the things that it was 100% lost in the animatic, but just it just comes across and feels really natural. Mm-hmm. It's, they do such a good job with it. I just, I can't even begin to like the difference between the animatic version and the version that we see here is just massive. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something you can think about if a primitive person were to come up against somebody with that amount of tech, they would be that curious too. Yeah. And that seemed like it was just a natural reaction that was pulled off so well. And it was, real, I just like, you know, speaking of the details, the fact that you could see it reflected in his visor, you know, the translation, the, the way they, the way he translated it, it, it kind of shows that tech has a lot of, he's not just purely technological, as we learned in the previous episode, like he does have a lot of the just knowledge about, uh, you know, the planets and cultures and species and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's a, it, it, I also just appreciated the fact that typically in, uh, in the Clone Wars, it seemed like we got a lot of characters speaking basic or English. Uh, for those of you who are mm-hmm. familiar with the term, right? You know, like the Huts, they'd speak basic. They wouldn't speak, um, uh, except for Jabba. I think Jabba actually spoke Huttese. Uh, yeah, Jabba did was, speak Huttese, but right. But yeah, a lot of them just spoke basic. Which, right? On the one hand, I guess could make sense, but I think it was just more of a stamp matter of they didn't want to have to it's a, it was a cartoon they didn't want to subtitle a lot of stuff and i liked that the poltech chief did speak this other language and and i think d bradley baker talked about you know he almost approached it like just reading it backwards almost um i can't that's imagine what it sounded, trying to do that i don't even yeah like, and, and that's he, what it sounded like too it sounded like it was a language that was backward yeah i don't even know how he would but he's a master at creatures and weird sounds and stuff so He's just, I just bow down to his, his talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually they're, they're able to, to win over the Poltex and get them on their side. I mean, it, it took a little bit of effort. I mean, they, they literally kidnapped Anakin, flew off with him and Crosshair had to, you know, basically grapple onto the one of the backs of the Kyrdex as he's like flown through the air, almost like the Mandalorian attached to yeah. Gideon's TIE fighter. That is true. Um, you know, and then event they had to like take out the 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 Poltec village, like stun the 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 Kirdax and and rush in, disarm everyone. But once they did that, and they actually talked to the the Poltecs, 
Poltex just realized, you know, they just they just want to be neutral. They don't want to be involved. And when they realized that one of their brothers was one of the clones was kidnapped and and being held prisoner, they decide to to actually help and take them to the the city of Perkle. But they would only take them so far. That was the thing. It's like, I'm only going to take you. And then, then they were done because they, you're right. They just wanted to be left in peace. They were neutral. So this is as far as we go. And that's it. And that's where you get the great line from, um, record. Just like, yeah, he's got a problem with gravity. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the whole dynamic between Anakin and Rex comes into play again, where Anakin, he's, he's trying to trust Rex, but he also has this, you know, the, the clones start to get into this altercation, Again, which is kind of a, a recurring theme. Again, you know they they got some respect, I think, at the, in the last episode uh, between the there was some respect built between the uh, between the the Bad Batch and the the Regs, um, but they still don't completely like each other, and again start to get into a fist fight, and eventually Anakin has to take Rex aside and and talk to him and be like, hey, if <laughs> if something if echo's dead if he's not there you're gonna have to prepare yourself because you know you, you can't can't keep going like this forever and and you still have that back and forth of if he is if he isn't because even tech was saying at a certain point he had a strong signal then it went away then he got to a certain point the signal was there again then he went away but then tech actually said the the, the thing that which made sense he goes the reason why it's probably going away is because he's not transmitting. Mm-hmm. And the only time you'll actually hear it is when Echo is transmitting. So there was a shot, even though he wasn't transmitting, that Echo was still alive. But there was still that question, he may not be alive. Because th- that was that little thin line that that made total sense. Yeah. 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 And I, I do really appreciate how the... Uh, Episode proceeds as well as like going up the lift. You know, the plan is the, we're going to go in quiet. We're going to be stealthy. No one's going to notice. <laughs> and we we saw how long that lasted. Well, what what is the normal thing when it comes to a battle? The best laid battle plan lasts the first five seconds and that's it. Uh, something know, like but, that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I know it's not word for word, but. But in this case, the the best laid battle plan was. Uh, was tra- trampled over by uh, Wrecker himself, who just got all excited. And as soon as the doors open, just goes all Rambo on the droids patrolling the area. And uh, I, I to a certain even... extent, he didn't have a choice. They were right in front of the door. Yeah, yes, but he did go a little, a little crazy. And okay, I he, love, even he, at the he end, went he's like, a little hard. He just got excited, you know. <laughs> well, that's what he oh. does. Wrecker's gonna wreck. I don't know what you uh, want to say. Yeah, what are you gonna do? His name, and, and I also appreciate the the fact that again the, these these clones are so good. Like they quickly sweep the area and, and get rid of the droids. But uh, even earlier, as they're hacking into the the door controls for the turbo lift at the base of the tower, um, you know, tech like he literally takes I don't know two three seconds to hack the, the door open and then apologizes for taking so, so long. It's one of those little little details I I appreciate or or you know. Hunter offering to hold Wrecker's hand going up the, the turbo lift. They have some fun dialogue. And the other thing I really appreciate is when you watch the animation of the four clones uh, working together, the choreography is amazing. Doors like once you see one take out a droid, you'll see another one come in and take out this other droid. It's almost like a dance when you really look at it. Mm-hmm. 
because they're just kind of jumping over each other to get a droid that just showed up. And then that one's knocked down, but there's another droid behind the guy that jumped here. Just incredible. The choreography and in, in, in this, the fight scenes for these droids has just been incredible. They do a very, very good job. Um, it suffers, I think a little bit from the, uh, classic stormtroopers can't shoot anything. Um, there was one particular scene where I think it was crosshair, I think is standing on one side of a, like a knee high crate. Mm -hmm. And there's like two battle droids on the other side of this knee height, like two foot wide crate and they're missing. But yeah, you know, cartoon and it's hard to be too frustrated by it. They, they can't be all that accurate. I mean, it is crosshair. He was able to hit that flying beast from how many meters away? <laughs> with when it comes to a hook? droid? Yeah, yeah, with the grappling hook. Yeah. Was, yeah when was it comes incredible. to a droid? Yeah. Also, you got to look at it this way. The droids were pretty thin. Yeah. It's not the standard battle droids. What did you think of the, the droid style? I found it interesting. I, I'm, I'm looking at this just going, I, I, this is the first time we've seen these, correct? Other than the animatic. Yeah. Yeah, I, so. I, I found these interesting. I really did. I, I, I'm kind of like, it's it's hard to describe. They They're cool like at all because it, it makes sense because the, the rooms are going down because that very narrow aisle. It makes sense that they have to be you know and wide I, enough to fit down these narrow aisles. I have a memory of them flying too. Uh, Does that sound? Could that be in the later episode? It's I, possible. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't it may remember. Have been later on, um, but like I, they almost look like almost like grasshoppers on their hind legs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very interesting character design for sure. Oh yeah. Um. Also, I I, I kind of wondered like because they they the bat their their color and their paint scheme is very similar to the battle droids, and we know the Techno Union helped manufacture a lot of the battle droids um the but you know they have a very different configuration i i suspect that's because the planet's neutral and they wanted to drive home that of course it's not a neutral planet with separatist battle droids on you know guarding mm -hmm. techno union assets interesting no that that's a good point but yeah either way they were very cool it's nice to see some new new droid styles as much as yeah. I love the classic ones. More more droids for uh, Wrecker to destroy. Yeah. And there were plenty. Because like, as they swept the rest of the floor, you know, there were lots of droids. There's that interesting battle in the cargo area where Anakin gets surrounded. Mm -hmm. um, and it was Crosshair that saved him because he got the one that was behind Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so something I didn't realize, I that part of what makes that sequence so cool is watching Anakin have to dodge because he's in a, Oh God, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. Like the location is in, he can only swing his blade up and down and like left and right. He can't do like a horizontal strike because of the boxes that are there. I mean, I, he can, but he doesn't swipe through the boxes. It's the crate um, aisle is the way yeah. that I looked at it. Cause that, that's why I was thinking like the reason why those droids are so skinny is because of those aisles are so skinny. It's just, it's a really cool sequence to watch. Like, has Anakin is uh, effectively like boxed in, pun not intended, by the boxes. Like, it just, it's interesting to watch how he tries to block and how he moves with those constraints in place. Mm hmm. That's a good point. 
Yeah. It's it's a then, it's a fun scene. Yeah. Uh, and then the scene when they're outside of um or Wat Tambo sits there and just says, Okay, you know, um give up now. Or basically you clones are so predictable and you know, basically you're gonna meet your doom and then destroy them. And then just the wave of droids that just keep coming through that hallway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's wow. And then it buys you've got Anakin and the other droids buying time for tech and Rex to get inside the room because that's where and I thought it was really cool because before they before that happened, you got Hunter using his skills again when they round that corner where you could just tell it was that whole skills of the sensor stuff, knowing that that's the room where the signal was coming from because he's the one that pointed it out. Although it was kind of obvious they turned the corner and boom, there it was. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Sometimes you get lucky, find the door you're looking for right away. Absolutely. Yeah, and the episode kind of ends with uh, Rex and Tech kind of heading into the room while everyone else kind of hang out, hangs outside. And they encounter the stasis chamber with a life form inside. Now, that was a cool design for that chamber. It looks really neat. It looked, it looked almost steampunkish when you just look at the chamber itself take out everything around it but that chamber itself from the the look of it looked steampunk punkish to me but fits because i feel like the techno union kind of have that steampunk aesthetic to them anyway very true very true yeah and it's it's like terror it's pretty terrifying actually when you see echo fall out of the stasis pod like they open the stasis pod and sure enough echoes inside and he like literally drops out of mm-hmm. the, out of it like falls and is hanging by all of these disgusting wires coming out of his back almost like matrix style yeah um, yeah it's it's pretty terrifying like his 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 eyes are like flickering back and forth and he's rambling about trying to you know get to the shuttle and escape the citadel you, you feel bad for the guy he's been in yeah. prison this long it's it's rough yeah and like he's, just yeah, we'll see. Like, will he ever be the same? Well, we'll find out on Friday. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he doesn't. He's not even disconnected, right? He's still connected to the machine, and when the episode ends, yeah, yeah he's still sitting of, there. It's up in the air, even especially because I don't remember how the animatic goes. So, like, it's up in the air whether he's going to make it out or not. Yeah, yeah, it's man. You feel bad for him. I, I'm, I'm so glad he's back. But it is pretty heartbreaking to see him in the in the state he is, and and just how cruel the techno union was to basically torture him like that, right? And kind of mm-hmm. use him as this this computer. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's, it's and these like guys are supposed movie. to be neutral, yeah. really. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and Tom, if you have that, I have some land on um, what is it, DAC that I'd like to sell you. <laughs> How about some land on Lethal? Just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's that's pretty much the episode. It ends on a big cliffhanger, so we'll have to wait until next week to find out what happens next. Tom, you ready for your review? I am totally ready for my review. Um, I'm giving it a nine. I enjoyed the episode. I, I have a feeling for me, these are going to be very hard episodes to, to rate low because I am very happy the show's back. I'm happy it's going out the way it's supposed to go. Tell the stories you want to tell in the series the way it's supposed to be ending. And the little subtleties they put in this show, like adding Padme where they added her, 
the little bit of animation when it comes to, you know, between Rex and Obi-Wan and Anakin, all that kind of stuff. It's great having the show back. This was a good story again going, I mean, I can't say more about it. I'm just happy it's back and I'm giving it a nine. I am taking my nine Womp Rats. Somebody had to keep Echo Company. And it just so happened to be these nine Womp Rats. But they were also in stasis. And the one thing you didn't notice is when he fell out, they're still there, all tied together inside the stasis chamber. They're providing so the, the rest quest- of the tactical info? Um, actually, I think what uh, Echo is going to do is he's going to feed them false information. So they're going to end up feeding false information to the techno union. That's why they're going to end up staying behind. Got to sacrifice mm-hmm. themselves. So <laughs> my nine Womp Rats are still stuck inside the stasis chamber to feed the uh, techno union bad data. So once Echo gets out. Okay. You know, I I really enjoyed this episode as well. Um, I, I think, I don't I didn't, I, I think it was, I preferred the first episode of the arc a little bit more overall. Uh, but I loved how we actually got to finally return to, to, to echo. We get to see echo again. We get to see, um, Skako minor and the, the techno union. There's a really cool, uh, you know, moment with all the, the, the Kyrdax and the crosshair, like basically flying after them. And of course my favorite moment of all the, the, the conversation between Anakin and Padme and, and Obi-Wan's reaction to it. And uh, so I'm going to give it uh, eight Womp Rats out of 10. Great episode. Loved it. Um, and I think my, my eight Womp Rats are, uh, well, you know, Anakin gave Rex his helmet to get, uh, or Re- Anakin took Rex's helmet. So you have cover and, you know, he could post Rex outside as a, as a guard. And then if, you know, Obi-Wan got there, he could, make the excuse that he was cleaning Rex's helmet. But, you know, what we, we didn't see on screen, but happened off screen, is that there were also eight Womp Rats that Anakin enlisted to distract Obi-Wan, getting to to getting to even Rex. So by that time, he'd already, you know, had to, like, you know, push away eight different Womp Rats. So, wow. yeah. It's a struggle. Good one. Steven, you're up. All right. Uh, I think I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10 Womp Rats. Um, just another solid episode from the Clone Wars, you know, the type of thing that we said for many, many years and season seven just fires on all cylinders. Um, it's again, a very, I think, I, I think we talked about last time. This is a very much a classic Clone Wars episode. It's very straightforward. Um, and it just, it just works. It's enjoyable to watch and it moves and, um, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, I just, I could watch this type of episode all day. Um, but with my Womp Rats, I'm going to have to say that, uh, you know, we saw the Kyrdax, you know, the flying uh, creatures that are from the, uh, that the Poltec use. And it turns out that the Kyrdax are actually just really, you know, big Womp Rats. They're a close cousin. So you just, you know, you never know, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Got to be careful. Those yeah. Womp Rats will get you every time. Very well, interesting. Flying Womp Rats, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Got to watch out. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, we will be back next week with our review of The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 3, 
on the wings of Kyrdax. And in this episode, with, Epo, with Echo recovered, Rex and the Bad Batch and Anakin Skywalker look to fight their way out of a Separatist base. So it looks like they're going to pick up exactly where they left off in this episode and continue the escape from uh, Skako Minor. Can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait until all four of the episodes are done so you can watch them back to back to back. Sorry, what was the, William, you said it was On the Wings of the Womp Rats was the name of the next episode? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> on the Wings right. of Making Womp sure. Rats. Uh, you don't want to see those Womp Rats. They're pretty terrifying with wings. No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But, uh, but no, thanks for listening as always. And we will be back in uh, just a couple days with our review of On the Wings of Kyrdax. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.